0: This is Two Naked Hypnotherapists, podcast by Heather and Connie. Do you want to achieve optimal health, ultimate success, perfect relationships, true spiritual awakening, and ever-flowing abundance in your life? Are you ready for the naked truth? Then you've come to the right place. This podcast will give you free mind hacking and healing tools no other hypnotherapist will tell you. We are passionate about helping people transform their lives. And that's why we created this podcast.
1: This is episode 11 of the Two Negative Hypnotherapists podcast. And today we're going to share with you some amazing tools for increasing your level of self love, self awareness, self-mastery and of course we also have solutions for relationships with others especially a few very effective exercises for better communication and please stay until the end for a nice little announcement
0: two naked hypnotherapist podcast is not meant to be replaced with medical treatments or to diagnose medical conditions. The information we share on this podcast is based on our personal views and should not be used to treat or replace your medical or clinical treatments. If you are experiencing any physical mental conditions, please consult your physician first. Hello and a happy Wednesday, everyone. I'm Heather. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate that you have chosen to spend your precious time with us today. Relationships are the best tool to learn about ourselves. I hope this episode can help you to enhance your relationship with yourself as well as with others so that your life experience can be more profound, enjoyable, and much more meaningful.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Connie. And I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. So today's episode is packed with incredible tools that will help you connect more with yourself and others, just like Heather told us. (laughs) And as we just started chatting about this topic, we actually realized that there are so many ways to improve on self-love that we might have to do a separate episode. I think we should. To to talk only about that, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you already know, And as we mentioned in previous episodes, self-love is not only most essential for yourself, but also the foundation for building any other healthy relationships in your life. So last week, I briefly mentioned about attachment styles. And interestingly enough, I came across a video a few days ago that talked about SLDD. Have you heard of this before? What is that? No. It stands for self-love deficit disorder. Wow. And I had never heard of it before either. (laughs)
0: Is that a medical term?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe someone just coined it. But, but I actually think it's very valid. Uh huh. Right? I'm curious can can... what that is. <laughs> SLDD is basically caused by attachment trauma, mm. um, so such as neglect, abandonment, deprivation, which we actually never mentioned before. So meaning when a child is deprived of experiences of safety and nurturing and unconditional love and or abused by a narcissistic or codependent parent. So all children that carry such attachment trauma have basically not received the parenting they needed or the type of parenting that is essential for humans in general, right? Because Mm -hmm. we we need those feelings of safety and nurturing for our survival. In my opinion, self-love is really working on reparenting yourself, meaning doing to yourself what your parents couldn't give you, which can be done, for instance, through inner child healing work that you've heard me talk about many times before. Right. Yes. <laughs> but it makes so much sense, doesn't it? So Absolutely. You l- yeah. So you learn to be the loving parent to yourself mm-hmm. and your inner child, which is your core self. And in doing so, you literally resolve problems at the core of where the problems were. So then in the relationships with others, when the problem comes up, you won't be affected or triggered in the same way as before, because you've now released the core issues and you simply cannot go back to that old state, right, where you were triggered before. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I just want to mention that no one is ever too old to begin <laughs> this type of work. There's literally people in their 70s who started this self-love journey uh-huh. or started the inner child healing process. And they now have the best time of their lives. Right? The most fun that. time of their lives. I love it. And probably for the next, you know, many years or decades to come. There's no limit to time and when you can start this work.
0: Exactly. Self-love journey is never too late Mm. or too old to start. It is such a profound, multidimensional journey that you never wanted to miss it. Once you are on it, you would never want to be off of this journey. Right. (laughs) For the self-love journey which I am on as well. I'd like to break down the self-love journey in three categories, self-awareness, self-mastery, and self-love to enhance the relationship to yourself so you can attract and manifest great relationships with others. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So the first, self-awareness. Self-awareness simply means aware of yourself, aware of your emotions, aware of your thoughts, aware of your reactions, aware of what hasn't been resolved in your life because you are ultimately responsible for your own emotions, feelings, reactions, and unresolved traumas. No one else should be responsible for all of that. Not your parents, bosses, co-workers, teachers, children, and definitely not your romantic partners. Exactly. (laughs) Because when you let others accountable for your life, you can never move on to the next great things that's awaiting for you you are responsible for yourself period Mm -hmm. you agree
1: yeah uh, (laughs) totally 100
0: (laughs) but self-awareness requires you to pause for that moment before you react this pause allows you to feel the emotions and feelings without judgment This is also a very important part to allow yourself to feel the emotions because we are supposed to. Humans are designed and built to feel emotions. We are just not well educated about how to feel emotions. We are taught how to manage our emotions. So self-awareness will enable you to separate your true essence from you having the emotional experience triggered by the past pain or the fear for the unknown. So how can we get better at self-awareness? Here are my top three self-awareness practice suggestions. The first one is journaling your raw emotions and feelings that day without criticizing yourself. Simply write down your honest feelings and emotions as they are. This allows you to feel the emotions in a safe space. But if you're not big on journaling, you can try a free online self-awareness survey at www.greatness.coach uh, they have a bunch of questions that helps you to self-aware of your emotions, feelings, and a state of mind. So, I would try that too. Mm-hmm. Also, you can use meditation or a quiet time to sit with your emotions and feelings. Not to judge, of course, but to simply observe your emotions and feelings. While you give yourself the time and space to accept your emotions and feelings, less you need to react or vent out when someone or something triggers you. And other things you can do is ask your friends, family members, partner to practice self-awareness. What I mean by that is most likely your friends, your family members, your partners are the recipient of your emotional triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you are blinded by the emotional triggers and you're not really seeing how and why you react to certain things. So your partner, friends, family members would mostly likely have seen or witnessed or experienced your reaction before so they can tell you a better story about your blind spot. But make sure that they can communicate with you in a supportive manner.
1: That's a great way to do it. So when we're done, I will ask you some questions. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> okay, moving on to
0: second category of self-love journey, which is self-mastery. Life can be overwhelming from time to time. Sometimes we feel drained, discouraged. And when we face relationship issues, it's usually draining and daunting experience because it usually involves with our strong emotions and painful memories from the past. And on top of that, the other person's emotions and the past pain comes into the mix. And that's when we try so hard to fix the relationship by controlling something we can't control of, which is the other person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When we focus on taking full responsibility for our own emotions, reactions, actions, and past pain. We are actually making the whole wide world a better place by improving our relationship with ourselves and ultimately with others. For self-mastery practice, I would recommend 9 second reaction halt. When you have the instantaneous emotional reaction to something or someone, before you immediately react to the trigger, just count one to nine with your heart, with your breath. So inhale one, two, exhale three, four. Inhale again five, six, and exhale seven, eight, nine. Amazingly, that nine seconds can buy you a whole lot of time to ground yourself center your breath and center yourself and calming down the fight or flight reaction. Mm -hmm.
1: Is there something specific about the nine or is that just something that worked for you?
0: It works for me and I heard about the number nine. Mm -hmm. It's something that completes that moment.
1: Yeah, it completes the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. I heard that too, actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay,
0: and the other thing that you can practice is I called the five layers of Mm why.
1: Interesting. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So Connie, I'd like you to imagine a delicious looking five layered cake.
1: Oh, that's easy. (laughs) Chocolate with strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: And ask yourself why you are emotionally triggered five times by digging into this cake one by one. For example, let's say your partner said he was going away with his friends next weekend and you were upset. Mm -hmm. Ask your first question, why are you upset that your boyfriend is going away with your friends? And you might say, because I'm not included. Then ask the second layer of why. Why does it bother you? And you might say, it makes me feel I'm not his priority. Then ask the third layer of why, why does it bother you? And you may say, because I want to be the most important person in his life. Mm -hmm. Then ask the fourth layer of why, why do you need to be the most important person in his life? And you might say, I don't feel secure otherwise. Then ask the final fifth layer of why, why do you need to feel secure by being the most important person in his life? his life mm-hmm. the final answer will tell you the real reason why you were triggered
1: Well, wow, that's a powerful exercise mm-hmm. awesome.
0: and this is something that you can do on your own at any time and you can also journal your five layers of why regularly to understand your mm-hmm. emotional trigger patterns more clearly
1: that sounds very profound <laughs> mm-hmm. because I can totally see how you get to the root of this initial trigger. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Thank you.
0: The third category is my favorite word of action, self-love. For me, self-love is intention and action to experience my true nature of who I am through physical, emotional, mental, energetic, and the spiritual experiences in my life. How do I do that? Well... I became a good listener to myself first, and I'm a loving parent to myself, just like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And I'm the most energetic, crazy cheerleader for myself.
1: (laughs) I like that cheerleader. Yes.
0: And I'm the best friend, teacher, fortune teller, therapist, lover, and a healer to myself. The experience of the deep connection with myself allows me to extend this deep connection with others. That's how I connect the dots between self-love practice and having amazing relationships with myself and others. Mm-hmm. I hope this makes sense to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The self-awareness, self-mastery we've just talked about are the part of the self-love practice. And... I have a million and one other suggestions for self-love, but I would say mastering to be in the present moment, if I have to pick one, is the best practice for self-love. Because I know for the fact, the more you stay in the present moment, the more you invite abundance in your life, including great relationships. Can you believe we have seventy to 80,000 thoughts a day?
1: Wow, that many? Mm -hmm. I know it was a few thousand, but Mm 80,000? Average. Wow.
0: (laughs) This is why the intention of staying and being in the present moment is necessary. Otherwise, our mind likes us to go either the past or the future and skip in the present moment. That's how our mind is programmed. The mind likes the familiar place where you have been, what you have done before. The mind sees the unknown as unpredictable, hence danger. So if you let your mind drive your life, it always takes you to the where you have been or what you have done before. And even if those things are no longer serving you, but at least familiar. While your next great thing, great relationship, amazing business opportunity, maybe in the unknown or an untouched place, If you let your mind lead your way, then you'll never get there. So if you're too busy visiting your past and the future all the time, you miss the most incredible opportunity to experience your amazing life, which is always happening in the
1: now. Yeah, that's a good reminder. And I actually feel that when I'm in the park, for instance, Mm -hmm. right in the morning on my morning walk. If I'm caught up in some story from past or something that i'm thinking about the future i would miss hearing the bird or exactly like seeing that flower because i'm not even paying attention right those kind of things yeah mm-hmm. or the butterfly oh, know, yeah. flying around you mm-hmm. yes
0: i'm going to share one of my favorite self-love practice in our bonus episode but being the now is pretty simple you can use your breath to stay in the present moment. You can also use a meditation to be in the now. You can practice listening to your heart more often because your heart is always in the now. You can also learn from nature and animals how to enjoy being in the moment. I have a dog, Mr. Roscoe. He is always in the now except when he's sleeping I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) he teaches me how to be in the moment but not only be in the moment but also how to enjoy the present moment even when nothing is happening at that moment
1: that's awesome go Roscoe (laughs) (laughs) thank you Roscoe
0: so now Connie is going to share some useful tips and tools to enhance your romantic relationships
1: yes thank you Heather um before i get into some of the communication tools and exercises i wanted to briefly touch on energetic stress styles because i think this is important to be aware of and just this knowledge alone might help you understand your partner better during certain conversations or situations that you're going through i learned about energetic stress styles in energy medicine and it's especially important when it comes to navigating romantic relationships and understanding relationships. So the energetic stress style of a person describes the sensory mode that they instinctively trust and favor when experiencing a threat or stress, and particularly when it involves a romantic partner. And this favored sensory mode is patterned after one of the primary ways we experience the world, which is either seeing, hearing, feeling, or thinking and it determines how we process information under stress. And what's interesting is is that although we have all four at any given time, only one of the four will dominate during the kinds of stress that evoke a survival response and then the other three will just fade away at that moment. And as we all know, stress in our closest relationships is basically perceived as a threat to our survival, mm-hmm. right? So the closer the person is to you, the harder it is to keep the person in the perspective when the relationship has any difficulties. And I find that really fascinating. And I think it explains why so many of us have problems communicating properly with our partner, especially when there's a disagreement or during an argument. It's like we never really hear each other or get each other. Mm -hmm. Right? But that is because each person has their own sensory style which is not a learned behavior by the way it's just a reflection of your energy system and the way you understand and work with those differences in sensory styles is really a key factor for a healthy relationship and even the survival of the relationship Mm -hmm. in some cases. Um, So as a quick example the person with a visual stress style for instance will be more focused on their internal vision on how things should be, or how their partner should be, or change, or what they should be doing better. They often see first what their partner did wrong, and then they easily judge and criticize and blame the partner. Whereas the tonal person, on the other hand, is more hurt by the tone of their partner's voice than what the partner is actually saying. So um, they basically hear more between the lines, and they easily distort what is being said. And then they feel put down or rejected, which often leads to self-judgment or self-criticism. So now imagine those two interacting in an argument, right? Oh my goodness. The visual one <laughs> focuses on what the other is doing wrong and blames them. While the tonal one only hears how the partner is saying something, not really what they're saying. Right. And then he totally withdraws and feels completely rejected. So Hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't think those two will get very far in their discussion. (laughs) I don't think so. Right? If they just go into that attack and the primal defense mode all the time. And that's where the self-awareness comes into play that Mm. you mentioned. And of course, some techniques um, that you can easily use to shift that energy and the situation. Mm -hmm. So some tools that I can recommend, some really simple tools, easy tools, So instead of reacting instinctively and getting triggered into survival response, there is a tool that you can use when you want to make a request of your partner or bring up a disagreement. And of course, this can be used in any type of relationship, not just in romantic ones. And this tool is called the Gentle Startup, which kind of makes a conversation more open and receptive and curious So you always begin the conversation with a positive reflection of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So not anything negative. You start with a positive reflection and you express appreciation and gratitude for the partner and for the relationship. That's always a great place to start. Yeah, because it also energetically opens up the partner to listen. They They don't feel attacked right away. And then it's very important to start your sentences with I and not with you, because it's all about stating your feelings about the situation and not about the other person, really, and not about attacking or blaming the other person. Mm -hmm. So working with the I statements is very important um, also for the partner to realize that you're just expressing your feelings. You're not attacking them or speaking to them in a negative way. And then you describe your side of the story as your perception rather than the absolute truth. So you want to make sure that you always allow for your partner's truth as well and for them to feel heard and understood. Because we all have our truth, we all have our perspectives and perceptions, and they're all valid. Mm -hmm. So it's always great to, you know, give your side of the story or your perception, but never make it as the absolute truth. I see and then you focus on that specific behavior that you want to talk about, and ideally don't pile up all complaints from the last few weeks, <laughs> <laughs> or or general that will never, never <laughs> work, right? Or general judgments, right? You want to focus on one specific thing that you want to discuss, yeah. And it can't hurt to end the conversation with the appreciation as well. <laughs> of course, it's always good. Double appreciation uh-huh. can't hurt. And I find this a much better way to go about having an uncomfortable conversation because it leaves both people and their perspectives uh, heard and validated. So I think that's a really it's a great method. G- great way to, to have a rather uncomfortable conversation. And as another tool or exercise, I want to mention an exercise that has to do with your thoughts and energy flow because thought and energy influence each other, right? So your thoughts follow your energies, but your energies also follow your thoughts. And one exercise I really love is making a list of 10 qualities that you deeply appreciate about your partner or your relationship, and you carry it with you. And then at least once during your day or any time that you're apart from your partner, you stop and you look at your list and you select one of the qualities And for 15 seconds or more, you mindfully immerse yourself in that quality and in what you appreciate about your partner, while also focusing on your heart space. And you just imagine you're breathing the positive thought into every cell of your body. And then just watch how good that feels. And I'm pretty sure your partner will definitely feel it too. Absolutely. Because we're all connected. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. We are all interconnected. Yeah. And something else I've learned, which can be a true game changer in relationships, is to make sure that positive interactions with your partner, such as touching, laughing, smiling, giving compliments, giving appreciation, are at least five times more than any negative interaction, such as fighting or criticizing, judging, blaming. So five positives for one negative interaction. And I find this should really be a main rule in any relationship, don't you think, Heather? I mean, oh, yes. I mean, that's a perfect ratio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can actually confirm this is true and it works because I used to use a similar method with my children. When they were little, I had to say, no, don't do that, you can't do that all the time. And I felt energetically drained. So I decided to give them nine positive comments with every no, I had to say.
1: Oh, that's cool. Uh And
0: they started to listen to my no's without resistance. So I would say this method would work for romantic relationships too.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Any relationship. Any
0: relationships, yes. Perfect.
1: Okay, we covered a lot in today's episode. And we truly hope you enjoyed learning more about our self-love and relationship tools and exercises, and that you will be able to use them in your daily life and in your relationships. And we mentioned a little announcement at the beginning of the show. And the announcement is that we are going to drop a bonus episode for you in the next few days, which is going to be a guided self-love practice that you can listen to at any time, wherever you are, and whenever you feel you need it. So we hope you enjoy that. And next week, it's time for our next Q&A session. Yay! (laughs) So please don't forget to send us your questions about this month's topic to our email at 2nhpodcasts at protonmail.com or you can simply leave us a voice message on the Anchor app. We look forward to hearing from you and please join us again on Wednesday, April 28th at six o'clock. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Take care. See you next week.
0: Don't forget to subscribe our channel.